everyone. Welcome to this week's Indie Artist Music Hustle with Blind Intelligence. I'm your host, Miss Ronnie, where I always seek to give you exquisite cranial repertoire. This week, we have a very special guest. We have Jamie. Say hello to everyone. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you? All right. I'm fine. What we're going to do is we're going to start out with letting you take over and tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Um, hi, I'm Jamie. Um, I am based in New York City. I am a 23-year-old artist, um, and I'm originally from upstate New York. Okay. So what is your genre of music? I would say my genre is indie pop. We're definitely trying to, I guess, rebrand myself because I used to write more musical theater mm -hmm. uh, because that's what I used to study and I grew up doing, um, but I really want to expand my musicality a little bit more. Okay. So tell us about your latest project. I recently dropped Over You, uh, which is my new single on January 25th. Uh, and it's about kind of being in a situation, a relationship where you are giving, giving, giving and being led on. But this person is never there to reciprocate the energy that you're putting in. Um, so eventually you just get so fed up and you're over everything. <laughs> and it seemed like men don't understand that. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> they be asking for one more chance and you don't not realizing that you have gave For real. It's just like it's like the the hook and then the reel out and then the hook again. And it's like it's such an awful game that I don't love playing. Okay. So what made you decide to write about it? So I was actually in one of these situationships where I was falling harder and harder with this chase game that was being played. And I thought that it was going to lead to like a relationship status, uh, but it did not. So the day that everything was called off, I went home, cried for a very long time and then wrote the song. Okay. So is this your first project as a solo artist or you have had others? So I've had like two other projects that I've done, um, but those were mostly in the musical theater genre and definitely more of like an experimental era of like figuring out how writing music works. Um, but I would say that this is like the first song of me feeling like definitely more confident and more knowledgeable about creating music. Okay. So how do you feel about performing live? Oof. I think there's such a great thrill in performing live. And I think like raw emotions are really able to come out through that way. Definitely have to be careful of those. Um, but I, I love performing live. Okay. So tell me about your writing process and style. So specifically with Over You, the writing process was kind of crazy. Um, it started out very much in that musical theater genre. Uh, and we got like almost all the way through the process of like producing it. And then I sat down with my like very good friend, Danny, who's also my producer and like co-writer. Um, and I was like, is this something that sounds to musical theater? Do you think we could push it into like pop more? And he's like, do you want to be me to be honest with you? And I was like, yes. And he's like, I think we can change it to make it more pop and like what you want and push yourself. So we scrapped pretty much everything, um, kept some of the major piano things that were in there, um, and then started to write it as a pop piece, which meant stripping 
a lot of the specificity that kind of comes along with writing theater music uh, and bringing it down to like the same kind of level of um, what it means, but in a more relatable and understandable and catchy way. Okay. So I was watching a show one time. I can't remember the name of it was years ago. And it was the same song. And it was like, give me your gospel version of it. Now give me your Celine Dion version of it. <laughs> Describe to me the difference between your musical versions without, with, besides stripping it down, the difference between your musical theater version and your Janie pop version. Okay. So the musical theater version actually was um, more in like my mix belty range of my voice. Uh, and it stuck around there for a lot of it, which in musical theater is fine. But if you're listening to pop music, you want it to be easier on the ears. Um, and when I was singing it like that, it was not. It, it started like, I'm so over you, instead of like, I think I'm over you. Um, so the, the pop version was definitely subtle and gave room for that growth and that build uh, rather than just like plowing right into it. So tell me, what do you feel about, because I know before anybody put out their actual first project, it's never their first recorded song. People will record songs and be like, oh, that's not good enough, or this is when I first started out and all of this kind of stuff. So tell me, what do you think about taking something from when you first started out and remaking it to represent you as an artist now? Oh my gosh, funny enough that you bring this up because I was talking to my grandfather the other day, who's someone who actually got me into music. Um, and he had mentioned that. And I think it's really interesting and something that I hadn't really thought about, but definitely worth exploring because you can still take those ideas and like those progressions and transform them into something completely new and within like uh, the me I'm creating within indie pop. Uh, so I think it would be a really cool experiment to do. Okay. So tell me about some of your other projects that didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I had over, over quarantine, I had released like a DIY like album, right? Uh, I had it up for a couple months and then I took it down because I ended up like not being entirely proud of it. And the reason being is <laughs> Uh, the quality of sound was not great. And it was very much like, uh, I guess, the essence of DIY. So when I was stuck in my apartment here in New York City, I had a keyboard, I had a ukulele, and that was it. So it was like for any percussion, it was like snaps, or it was like banging a book on a table, which is really cool to like, learn what different sounds make. But um, there wasn't enough structure within some of the songs I had made for them to be a song that you would continuously listen to or um, get you, caught with. A ukulele it would probably, we probably would change you over to like folk pop. So oh yeah. Your, your, your sound of what you wanted to project. So I get what you're saying. So yeah. tell me what decisions became very apparent in your musical career when COVID hit? Oh my gosh. So when COVID hit, it actually flipped my career choice sort of 180 um, because I went to AMDA, which is a musical theater school in New York City. 
And I had about two months of auditioning before we were in lockdown. Um, and then when lockdown happened, like nothing with theater was happening at all. So I was like, I can't just sit stagnant waiting for like this kind of artistic opportunity to come. I, I felt very um, inspired to create something. So that's when I kind of dived more into uh, writing music and then also uh, like creating paintings and art in that form. Um, so with like spending a lot of time just kind of diving into those elements, musical theater definitely took a back burner. And I realized like how much I love both of those things so much and how they could kind of almost melt together. So at the moment I'm, you know, writing music, but also writing uh, like almost like 16 bar cuts for little animations at the moment too. So kind of melding both. Okay. So <clears throat> what are your goals as an artist? I mean, are you wanting to, cause I, I ask artists this sometimes, what are your goals? Uh, some of them have realistic goals and some of them are unrealistic, such as I would like to make money off of my music. That to me is realistic. Uh, I want to be the next NBA, what is his name, NBA young boy is not realistic, especially if you haven't got to the point where you're understanding the music business side. So what was the major shocker to you when you were learning the music business side? When I was learning the music business side, I was learning a lot of what went into making, I guess, the it kind of song. Like, You'll hear a song on the radio, like say Ariana Grande, Olivia Rodrigo, and they have like that quality that makes you want to like put that song on and put it on repeat. And it's been like finding that quality um, when creating music. And also I think, I think my goal with creating is to bring a, obviously like a different perspective uh, to light into the surface that maybe people haven't really thought about but also to use the music platform as a way to spread awareness about some things. Um, I'm someone who has struggled with mental health for a lot of my life. And at the moment I am creating some music to bring light to kind of what happens when the demons get in your head. Um, and also like that there is, you know, hope. Um, I think another goal with writing music is also to definitely make money. Um, but I think with, merging both of those I think it would uh, my ultimate goal is to like be able to not only be successful but also like raise awareness for something that I hold near and dear to my heart um and that I'm sure other people struggle with as well okay so tell me what lesson out of everything because I know when you first get into the music industry you have good people on your team you have some bad apples This don't have your best intentions or whatever. So tell me what has been your biggest learning experience from just being around different people within the industry? It's tough. Um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is to hold your actual supporters that love and care about you so close and be wary of the people who are there to abuse your energy um, and your talents. Because I feel like with 
a roaring age of social media, it can seem like you have a lot of people who want to support you or, and then like the next minute they won't. So it's, I think it's just to keep the people who really care about you and you care about them and like building this uh, close, because if you don't have supporters on your side, it's really easy to like not continue or like hold on a hole and backtrack. Tell me what you think about council culture. Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's toxic mostly because I am someone who believes in giving second chances. Uh, it depends on how big someone has, you know, messed up for sure. But cancel culture definitely like, I don't know, gives me like cringy energy vibes. <laughs> okay. So I asked you a question because a lot of people would say, well, we have freedom of speech. Well, as an artist, you can put that speech into music and kind of camouflage it. So do you think that cancel culture has not made it to the music industry yet? Or what, what are your thoughts on, on that aspect of it? I think cancel culture is gradually making its way into the, the music industry. Um, <laughs> to throw a reference in there, I don't know why I so closely folled this, but the whole like Olivia Rodrigo, Sabrina Carpenter, Joshua Bassett situation, um, that definitely got tied into their music, whether it was about those people or not, um, they're exposing someone. So I think it, it maybe has always been there, but I think the uh, finger pointing is getting a little bit more obvious, I guess. Okay. Well, I learned a little bit these, this past month about defamation cases. And when you wanted to be, I'm going to say, a major artist, have you looked at the aspect of how bloggers and vloggers and people on YouTube and different people like that might write stories about you or in your own mind defame your character, but in the eyes of the law, you're considered public property? So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, my gosh. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, <laughs> so that's a, that's a bit of a shock but I mean I think it goes back to like you know freedom of speech and like being someone who is trying to be a public figure and like create and you know being vulnerable and exposing yourself you fall victim to you know these things happening so I think in those situations it's important to like keep your chin up and know that they're just words um, and you and the people that love you know your character and know your roots um, and you can't let these words that are like either falsifying what your character or, you know, making you seem uh, like villainy, I guess, get get in your way. Well, I asked that question because it's a major superstar named Cardi B that sued a famous YouTube blogger. Her name is Tasha K for defamation. The thing was, they were saying that it was hard to be able to prove because she was in the public eye. But she actually won the case for like $3.8 million. Whoa. So why I was asking you, how would you feel about it? Because you told me about your mental health and different things like that. How would you actually feel if you were in that place where somebody was actually defaming your character 
as a musical artist. Because I think one of the complaints was that when she go and search her music on YouTube, her music would come up, but also those videos, the fame in her character would come up. And she felt like that it was um, taken away from her career. So tell me, what do you think about that? So I think that good on her like honestly props to like sticking up for her name everything that she's built uh because that's super important especially in an industry like this um i think if it got to a point where like it was really bad and i was you know really thinking about it and a lot of people were talking about it i'd probably take the same same actions because uh it gets to a point where like you you do need to defend yourself and uh what you believe in and in the truth of the situation all right. So tell us about this latest single and where we can find it and your process and everything. So uh, over you, you can find it on all streaming platforms. Uh, the process was it ended up being like almost a year long process uh, just because of the entire rewrite situation. Uh, and you can also find me uh, on Instagram at Jamie.parmenter. Okay. Well, you heard her. You can find her music on all musical platforms. And what's your social media handle? Uh, it's at Janie.parmenter. Okay. Okay. And so y'all got her. You can also find us on all podcasting platforms. You can find the actual show on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook video. I really enjoyed you. And <laughs> don't, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to both of us. <laughs> Bye. <Yes. laughs>